and certainly, you know, my whole career as a chef, I never thought you know, I'd be without a job, you know, basically. And that's sort of what it come down to, you know. And, um, you know, so everything I've done for the last, you know, 35 years, um, uh, I was no longer able to do it. Um, and I think the hard thing about that was that no one really knew when and if it was going to come back. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. I've been a food journalist for 20 years, and during that time, the old claim that fine dining is dead has surfaced pretty much to every single one of them. When the pandemic hit, many operators suggested that the road to recovery was through everyday heartwarming eats, and that fine dining may have finally had its day. But as we start to look through COVID, we're sharing a common belief that life is short and nothing is forever. As such, we'll find dining actually experience a golden era. Peter Gilmore is the executive chef of Key. Peter, how are you going? Good, good, Anthony. Nice to be here. Peter, I don't know if you remember, but the very first contact that we ever had, I didn't have any grey hair and I was a young editor of Food Service magazine at the time and um, I think I'd printed something wrong about your departure from De Beers Whale, uh, Whale Beach. Um, many, many moons ago. Um, and you left a message on my answering machine in a deep voice, um, probably scared the hell out of a young journalist at the time. But uh, <laughs> we've both had uh, uh, long careers since then and certainly the journey of Key is absolutely extraordinary. I think the most awarded Australian restaurant ever. What, what's that journey been like of the restaurant? Um, yeah, it has been a journey. Quite... Um Quite an incredible one, really, when I think about it. I mean, I've been at Key now. Um, in August, it'll be 19 years, um, you know, and I think, you know, the, the journey for me obviously starts back at when I was an apprentice at 16. And, um, yeah, I, ne- I never sort of thought that um, I'd end up where I have. I guess, I guess the reason I got into cooking was I just had this passion for it, you know, and it hasn't – it actually hasn't ever – um, waned, you know, it's just, it's got stronger, I think over the years and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it has been a journey, mate. Where did that passion come from? Like so young when you, to enter the industry, why, why did you love food so much? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, my dad was actually, um, a display, like display artist, a window, uh, display artist in menswear and they also owned a couple of menswear stores and, um, um, you know, so it was, it was probably assumed that I would go into that business, but, um, my mum is just an incredibly good cook and, uh, was always entertaining at home. And, um, I just gravitated towards it. I loved, I loved it. And I think, I think if I remember rightly, it was probably at a c- couple of different dinner parties or all parties they had that, um, I remember her cooking in the kitchen and, um, and her getting me to, you know, pass things around to the guests and, and, and just that whole sort of people enjoying what you've just created. Um, I think I just got hooked and, you know, <laughs> I used to always want to cook the barbecue and push my dad out of the way, let me do it. <laughs> he would only burn the steaks anyway. So, <laughs> you know. Well, I can't imagine you burning a steak. No, no, no. Well, I, 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 I didn't. <laughs> so he let me do it. <laughs> 
But um, yeah, look, you know, I think that's where it all started. And you know, and uh, at school in year ten, I did work experience in a you know a good restaurant at the time in Sydney. It was called the Manor House uh, in Balmain. And uh, yeah, I was like six months later, the head chef rang me up and offered me an apprenticeship. And so I left school in year ten, uh, halfway through year ten actually, and started my apprenticeship. So it's been with me all these years. Well, that's a, a long time ago, and you've created, you know, arguably, you know one of Australia's greatest restaurants ever. And you've, you know, won global awards. You've won Best Chef. It's won Best Restaurant multiple times. You know, um, an extraordinary run of three hats uh, year after year after year. Uh, what what are the, some of the pressures involved in a restaurant of this calibre? Yeah, you know, it's, it is there. It's always there in the background, the, um, the idea of, you know, sort of like, uh, potentially losing a hat or, you know, or not, not, not getting a good review or, you know, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, the reason why I do it is because I'm so excited by, by food, by the creative process, you know, particularly. Um, and I just sort of always had the sort of inclination not to rest on my laurels, you know, just to keep pushing, um, when it comes to creating cuisine and, I think my style's evolved, you know, quite a few times over the years. Um, you know, uh, I know around, you know, 2008, 2009, I was probably one of the first chefs in Australia, if not, you know, a handful in the world, really to sort of embrace the garden and, you know, um, heirloom vegetables and herbs and flowers and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, and that was just purely out of uh, my personal interest and, um, you know, I remember um, at the time the um, El Bulli molecular stuff was, you know, sort of like the current sort of, um, you know, trend and, you know, and I, I just sort of personally just didn't like, like it. Um, you know, I, I thought it was clever, but it just didn't resonate with me. And um, so I sort of focused more and more on the organic um look and feel of the food and I also started gardening at that point in 2008 and um yeah look you know by by 2000 I think it was 2010 2011 we're in the world's top 50 restaurant list um and you know back to back sort of good food guide restaurant of the year and gourmet traveler restaurant of the year and you know I also released my book key and I don't know it's just I, I just I guess I was probably um following my passion but as it turned out it was a little bit ahead of the curve and um and that sort of organic and um uh approach where you looked at nature and the garden and you know and right through to you know sort of more organic plates you know back then it was all white shiny plates and, and now it's all you know handmade rustic plates and and that was yeah that was just because it was my my passion my direction it's uh, yeah, it's it's been a been a ride, that's for sure, mate. Well, um, just talking of um, plates and how that's changed. You know, the last time that I ate at Key, there's a dish that I always remember, which was that that rock pool and that stunning sort of bowl with the um, you know seafood that you'd got that morning, and it was just extraordinary. But you know, what what are, what's the creative process behind your dishes when you're playing at that level? Um, a lot of it comes back to the produce itself, and you know, wanting to uh, respect it and and do something that's you know within keeping of the actual um, ingredients. Uh, you know, in that particular dish, you know, we had this amazing little tiny octopus that that was sort of basically 
caught in um, hand caught in traps down in Coffin Bay in Venus Bay down South Australia. And it was shishimi grade octopus. It was amazing, beautiful, incredible hand harvested scallops. All, all of that sort of thing. And it's just like you want to honour that. And and I guess then you know you look at different techniques. Um, you look at um, flavour profiles. You look at texture combinations. Texture has always been a really big thing for me. And you know, so honouring something like that, just dressing it very simply in, you know, the finest, um, you know, 10-year-old soy, um, beautiful aged black vinegar, a little bit of grapeseed oil, um, some seaweed, you know, and then, you know, the garnish changed a little bit. We, um, we started off with um, some uh, fresh lotus seeds and, and then we went to um, palm heart as a textural component and uh, sort of just builds, really. It's, it's sort of a process. You start down one rabbit hole and you end up somewhere else usually you know when you build a restaurant you know over so many years like you have and the expectations and set such a mean standard um what's it like when something like a pandemic comes along and did you question the future of fine dining and what you were doing at key and even chefing yeah yeah look it was certainly um a huge uh kick in the guts for the whole industry worldwide really i mean you know, no one, no one could see this sort of thing coming, and and certainly, you know, in my whole career as a chef, I never thought you know, I'd be without a job. You know, basically, and and that's sort of what it come down to. You know, and um, you know, so everything I've done for the last, you know, thirty five years, um, uh, I was no longer able to do it. Um, and I think the hard thing about that was that no one really knew when and if it was going to come back. You know, that's um, that's the thing that just sort of, I think, was the, the hardest thing about it. And I think, you know, the first week or so that I was, um, oh, that we'd closed Key and closed Benelong, um, I just sort of, um, I don't know, you know, I, I was sort of in shock, I think, to be honest. And, and then, you know, the funny thing sort of happens that you just sort of like, I've always been a, a very optimistic person. Um, and I guess I guess I just felt well. Look, this this can't last forever. Um, but you know, I mean, as as it's turned out, Australia has done an incredibly incredibly amazing job uh, controlling the pandemic and um, getting back on track. I mean, compared to most countries around the world, we're really ahead of the game. Um, we were thinking at least six months um, being closed originally, and then, as it turns out, you know, it was three months till almost to the day that we reopened. What what did what did you do during that period during that three months um, while you know you didn't have a you didn't have a, a restaurant you know because I know how hard you work and that it's you know really your kind of life's work um, what what's it feel like when that's no longer there and what have you been doing well you know I think I think I was a bit lost really for the first week or so and we made the decision early on that you know it wasn't really going to work for us to try and you know sort of go to takeaway. Um, I think, you know, a neighbourhood type of restaurant, you know, is probably more able to do that. But, you know, the size of Key and the size of Benelong and their locations, it, it just didn't make sense on paper. Uh, it would have been a drop in the ocean. Um, you know, we're very fortunate the government come along and, and introduced JobKeeper and we were able to look after most of our staff, which was, um, you know, really important. But, you know, for the first week or so, we didn't really know what was happening there either. But I think, I think once we knew that was in place for a few months, um, it was a little bit, we breathed a little bit easier, that's for sure. 
Um, but personally, I don't know. I, I just, you know, obviously I love gardening. I got into my garden at home started doing all the sort of jobs that I've been neglecting for the last 10 years around the house, <laughs> actually painted the outside of the house. <laughs> um, wow. and yeah, and, and, and discovered bushwalking and, uh, and things like that. And, and, and just in the last, um, six weeks, um, before we went back, I made the decision to ask one of my ceramic, uh, friends, uh, a guy called Paul Davis, who actually made that beautiful, uh, rock or bowl that you're talking about. Asked him if I could uh, borrow some clay, and um, you know he offered me to um, have a land of one of his old wheels. So I set it up in the garage and I started making ceramics, um, which I absolutely love. It's so good. Um, Are they good enough to appear in key? Oh, not quite yet. <laughs> but you know, the, the thing is, mate, I've been involved with ceramic artists really going back to I think it was like 2008, 2009. I first approached Paul to make bowls for Key. And you know, so for a lot of years, I've been, you know, sketching and um, designing shapes and, and looking at glazes and colors and working with Paul and other artists like Malcolm Greenwood and Ben Richardson down in Tasmania. But, um, you know, and, and Paul and Jackie Clayton um, uh, up in Newcastle, they're, 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 Paul's been my sort of guy from the beginning. And, uh, yeah, just, um, just loving what he does. Um, so, you know, I turned my hand to that, which was pretty, um, pretty interesting. Like, it's, uh, I had a little go at it in my early 20s. Um, but... Um, uh, you know, I just, I just uh, didn't realise how much I'd enjoy it, and uh, it's, it's very therapeutic actually working with clay. It's great. You might have to do the rosters in future and make sure you get the days off to continue this new hobby. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I definitely will on my days off. It's all set up in the garage now, and uh, you know, we'll see how we go. Um, but it, what what has been actually interesting is working with clay, and I, I did a lot of hand building and, and sort of more. It's almost more like sculpture, and um, yeah, I sort of when I when I approached the menu when we had to come back, and we, we actually only had a couple of weeks' notice that we we're actually going to be able to start back up in June. We sort of figured it would probably be July or August. So yeah, so then I started you know having to think about ideas and. Yeah, it's just working um, working with clay. And my dishes sort of uh, sort of changed a little again. I mean, they've always been quite textural, but I sort of sort of felt they were becoming a little bit more sculptural. I was just looking looking at the shapes and and the form a little bit differently as well. Has this experience changed what you think you'll do at Key with food moving forward? Look, it's hard to say, you know, um, I mean, there's a lot of speculation out there that the pandemic would mean that, you know, like you said at the beginning of this, that fine dining would, would die. But as you also said, they've been saying that almost every year for the last 15 years. So <laughs> it's, it, it is, it's a funny thing, isn't it? You know, and, and I think I actually said to a journalist the other day, I said, well, look, if that's true, what you're actually saying is that creative food is dead, that um, you know, pushing the boundaries with uh, directions and flavours and textures and is also dead because, you know, if what you're actually saying is that everyone just wants to eat wood-fired pizza and hamburgers, well, you know, I love great wood-fired pizza too, but, you know, not every day, you know. Once in a blue moon, if I've got something, you know, really special to celebrate or I just feel like indulging, I want to go and have a creative meal and I want to see 
what the kitchens come up with and, and what directions the cuisine's moving in, you know. And to be honest, it's very hard for that to happen anywhere else than fine dining. And, and fine dining is actually a, a funny word too these days. What does that actually mean, you know? I think that dining in general all over the world in top restaurants has become a lot more casual, a lot more sort of professional and uh, focused on integrity and to focused on ingredients. But to buy amazing ingredients, to support incredible farmers um, that produce really beautiful products, um, that costs money. So, you know, you've, you've got to also uh, be prepared to um, pay for it and, uh, and charge for it. Um, so, you know, to say, to say that fine dining is dead um, is to say that, you know, imaginative food, um, we've stopped where we are now, that's it, you know, or, or that's not even possible anymore because it's too expensive. And I, I don't really think it is, to be honest. I mean, you know, you, I, I look at it, you know, my, um, my wife, uh, you know, the other day when I had a haircut, um, and the colour, and it was the same cost as a as a great meal of key, you know. Really, I mean, uh, it, it's it's incredibly cheap what we do. Um, the margins are so so slim, so so small at the top level. Uh, you'd be really surprised, and 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 I think I think that's because we love what we do, and we want to be able to do it, and we want people to enjoy it. You know, um, in some respects, um, you know, fine dining in Australia is is incredibly. Um, reasonable considering the amount of labor, uh, the cost of the ingredients and uh, all the research and development that goes into it, let alone the rents of a, uh, a beautiful venue like Kiel Benelong. Well, it's a really interesting time, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, operators, as you're saying, it's really slim margins they're dealing with. And what we're starting to see is a lot of tasting menus and a lot of longer menus so that they can control costs and get, you know, a higher average spend. And I think what consumers have realized is, is that they really appreciate those special occasions. And as you were saying, that's where fine dining is, uh, excels. Um, yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you feel like that there's actually a great opportunity um, from these circumstances for a new dawn and realisation of the joy of, of finer dining? Yeah, look, you know, I think that um, – I think the industry does need to um, have a really good hard look at how we operate and um, – you know, because the margins are so slim, even in the best of times, it's so easy to go under. Um, and uh, I think I think we need to work out a more um, a, a slightly fairer uh, system when it comes to sort of you know the costs that are involved. Um, and you know, and I don't know whether that means higher prices or you know whether it means that we um, you know look at the, the industry as a whole when it comes to sort of the award rates and the penalty rates and everything else that, you know, is so convoluted, um, you know. I think, I, think, I think something has to give somewhere because, um, you know, if people do want to have that great experience, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very expensive um, experience to produce. I mean, we, we do it and we love it. You know, we love, I love the creative side of it. All the people that work in my kitchen love what they do. And it'd be a shame to see that not work. And I, I, um, I do think there's a huge need for it. I mean, look, you know, we, we, um, we reopened and we weren't sure what was going to happen with the bookings, you know, what the response would be like. 
um, we decided to open um, just four days a week, Thursday through to Sunday, uh, do uh, four dinners and uh, two lunches. And um, within the first three days, um, we were almost booked out for six weeks. Um, so, wow. yeah, I know it really surprised and encouraged and, and made you feel like, wow, people do really love what we do. And I think there was a lot of angst out there, like people really wanted to get out. Um, I had so many people that I saw last week in the dining room that told me that they had an anniversary or a birthday a couple of months ago and they weren't able to go out. And so they decided just to delay it. And as soon as they heard we're open, they booked. Um, so that that's really, really encouraging, mate. And, um, you know, and there's, there's people that, that just, you know, don't mind spending a little bit of money because they want to have that experience. And even if it's something you do once a year or once every couple of years, it, it's something that you're going to remember. It's, it's, it, it, we are in the business of making memories and giving people experiences that are out of the ordinary. And that's, I think that's pretty special. I think people are going to keep wanting to, to do that. And, and it's not just about people that have a lot of money, you know, people, um, often a lot of people that come to Key actually save up for quite a while to come and have that experience. And it's something special. You know, a little earlier, you said, uh, that you only sort of had three weeks notice to, you know, get the band back together. What's it like, what's it been like, you know, um, with the team back together and the process of getting that menu to the level and standard that you, uh, like? Yeah. Well, What's really interesting is that we've pretty much got back um, the majority of our team. Well, certainly um, all of our full-time um, full-time chefs, um, pretty much every single one of them have, have come back. So I think the fact that I had a kitchen that knew my food, uh, knew the, the process, knew the kitchen, um, you know, it certainly helped. So it, it wasn't like reopening a restaurant after, you know, months of renovation like we did um a year and a half ago um we um we ended up having to employ a lot of new chefs so that that was really difficult um with Benelong's opening that that was almost a brand new kitchen bar to two chefs um so <laughs> that was that was a herculean task really it was incredible uh, so this coming coming back was was a lot easier in, in the sense that I had a team that was really eager to get back in the kitchen, really um, versed in what we do. Um, the hard thing, or the, not the hard thing, but the thing, you know, I always want to try and push the boundaries a little bit, and I, and I really wanted to come back with a, a, a few new dishes. Um, and it would have been easy just to come back with, you know, the ones we'd created um, before, just before we left. But, you know, I wanted to push the boundaries a bit. So we got into the kitchen, um, you know, and, and I think having that break was really interesting for me personally. It just, the idea sort of just sort of flowed. Um, you know, I've got another three or four things uh, in the wings that I want to play around with. Um, you know, so it was, it was a really cre uh, a creative moment. Um, of uh, celebration really to be back <laughs> and um and and everyone felt it like everyone in the kitchen felt it that everyone was so happy uh really to be doing what they love doing and 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 to have that you know idea that you know what you've trained for um you know you're able to do it again you know and it's um it's pretty it's pretty cool it's pretty special Producers have always been an important part of what you do, and you sort of mentioned earlier about you know one of the being one of the first chefs to have the kitchen garden and that connection uh, to produce. 
how have you seen them impacted and what what do you think the future holds for them on the other side of the pandemic? Yeah, well, you know, that was also a huge uh, concern um, when this hit. And, you know, luckily in some ways, um, not all producers, but some producers that I work with were able to sort of flip their business a little bit. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of the people who grow um you know, beautiful vegetables and stuff, they were able to sort of look at sort of doing, um, you know, vegetable boxes, community vegetable boxes. And and there was actually a pretty big demand for it because people were, were at home, they were cooking a lot more um, and um, they wanted great produce. So, yeah, um, a couple of my guys like um, Newcastle Greens and um, the guys Epicurean Harvest up in the Blue Mountains, they went to... Um, went to producing vegetable boxes and I think um, I think you know for the first uh, the first month or two there was some pretty interesting uh, vegetables in those boxes um, <laughs> yeah, that man. they'd been pla- planning to grow for me um, so that was that was sort of a bit of a, a bit of a challenge and you know sort of uh, you know I think a little bit of education uh, went along with what the vegetables are and what they do with them and you know so they actually did they did okay um it is it it was it wasn't easy i don't think and i think a lot of them probably had um just scaled down their operation because they were supplying not just us but a lot of uh, restaurants in sydney and um and over over the whole country so but i think now that restaurants are coming back um you know, uh, the first thing I did was get on the phone to a lot of those guys and say, okay, well, it looks like we're back. Um, let's start planning for spring. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, some of the some of the specialty stuff on the ground when we first got back um, was pretty thin on the ground. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of micro um, uh, leaves and, um, you know, different flowers and vegetables and things that we'd, we'd been growing uh they weren't available um but they soon will be again and you know and in a way it sort of forced me to sort of look at the food in a different way and um you know look at the primary ingredients even even in in more sort of detail and more simplicity in some respects um but still you know not um edging out any quality at all um just just working with different ingredients in a, in a slightly different way and um and that and that was that was interesting too, you know, sort of like, well, I can't get this, but what can I get, and what can I make work, and and that sometimes leads to um, really really interesting creative options. You know, during your time off painting the house and making sculptures and going on bushwalks, what, what did you miss most about the restaurant while it was closed? Yeah, you know, the thing I realised, I think, um, well, two things. Um, one is that I think um, we all. Um, invest quite a lot of self-worth in what we do and 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 that was that was a little bit strange not being able to do you know have that creative outlet um, but the bigger thing uh, I think for me was just really missing uh, the interconnection and the relationships of all the people I work with um, you know you sort of almost take it for granted sometimes those relationships and I think that the thing that really hit me was just how incredibly connected um we are even beyond the restaurant but as a society uh as a whole uh how reliant we are on each other for what we do and um you know for the whole thing to work um and that that really struck me and, and it also struck me that you know the relationships that 
you have um, through your work are, are really a big part of your life. They're like an extended family in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, and just to value those relationships more, um, I think, you know, is something that I was feeling and thinking while I was away, reaching out to colleagues um, within the industry, within Australia and also around the world, just to see how they were going. You know, we're all, we're like that, you know, cliche, we're all in this together, but we, we literally were, um, you know, so it's, um, yeah, it was, it was a good time for reflection. Um, I mean, look, I'm, I'm pretty positive about the future. I think we'll get on top of this thing. I mean, we have in Australia, I think it, we, we will, um, you know, hopefully we all learn a little bit from this experience too, that we are reliant on each other and, and how important, um, you know, valuing, um, everyone's contribution is with you know Australia doing so well in sort of dealing with this pandemic, and we're starting to open up again. But there's other countries in the world that are really um, having difficult times, and restaurants that um, can't actually see a time when they can open. You know, you have plenty of friends across the world in the industry. If, if, do you have concerns for them? Have you spoken to some of those guys, and you know how are they feeling? Yeah, look, um, uh, internationally, uh, a lot of my colleagues, everyone's at different stages in this pandemic and every country is different. Um, you know, look, a good friend of mine, Brett Graham at the Lebri, um, announced just last week that it was more than likely that he was going to be closing the Lebri um, permanently. Um, and I think that devastating. Yeah, I think I think that decision um, obviously didn't come lightly. That's you know again his life's work really. The Lebri, uh, he's been at it for as long as I've been at Key, and um, you know I think um, I, I think the decision was made because um, the restaurant itself is 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 quite small, and I don't think there was any chance of meeting the criteria of social distancing for some time to come. So he had to make that call. Um, that's a really hard call, such a hard call. But I know Brett and I know his determination and he's uh, one of the most um, energetic, enthusiastic and passionate people in this industry. Uh, he'll be back with something else for sure, without a doubt. Um, I think, I think the, the industry is very resilient and I think chefs around the world, you know, um, are going to... Um, find a way back, um, depending on, you know, the different situations they're in. But you can't, you can't keep, um, I don't think you can keep creativity and I don't think you can keep um, people away from, you know, eventually wanting and needing to um, have that outlet of, of a restaurant. It is, it is such a, a big part of our culture uh, in the West. Um, you know, I think that over a certain age, um, that's where you socialise. Um, is, is in the restaurants and, and, and really beautiful small bars with great food. That is that is part of our culture, and I, I don't see that. Um, I don't see that changing forever. Um, you know, it'll come back. It'll come back strong too. With uh, Key being you know renowned globally and a real destination restaurant for tourists and that come to Australia, do you think it'll have an impact on what you do? over the next period of time until borders and start opening and planes start flying again? Yeah, you know, we, we looked at that. And, and to be honest, uh, um, yeah, we do have a lot of internationals, but um, probably not as much as, um, 
as say the European restaurants that rely on sort of internationals. Um, you know, Australia is a fair distance to travel. Um, you know, anyway, um, so our percentage was was probably about fifteen percent of fifteen to twenty percent of internationals. So not as high as you would think, because um, you know, also the forward bookings were, were pretty forward, and uh, I, I, I think that. A lot of our business actually comes from Australians that have really got something special to celebrate from a lot of foodies, from business people. I mean, look, there is going to be an impact for sure. Um, but it does actually open up the opportunities for Australians to um, frequent the restaurants they like and other restaurants where they have maybe had trouble getting into before. Uh, I think I think bookings are going to be a little bit easier to, to come by. I think Australians are going to have to really uh, love and embrace Australia when it comes to their holidays and tourism um, for, you know, the next foreseeable sort of, you know, 12 to 18 months. I mean, uh, international travel will eventually start again, I'm sure. But, um, you know, in the meantime, um, Australians uh, are going to get out there and, and see Australia. And, you know, we hope we get a lot more interstate visitors come to Sydney and uh, come to our restaurant. So I think there'll be uptake in other areas that, um, you know, uh, maybe that we didn't have as much before. I mean, Australians love to travel. I mean, I don't know how many Australians, uh, you know, that I know uh, have planned an overseas holiday, you know, um, every couple of years or every few years. So when you can't do that, you're going to do something else. So let's hope that happens. I think um, I think that's uh, a positive for the Australian tourism industry. We sure as hell need people to get out there and actually go and holiday in Australia and, and visit the regional areas that are really being devastated. I mean, that they had a huge double blow recently with the, the fires as well as COVID. So, you know, as much as you can personally, if you can get out there and keep the economy going and holiday in Australia, it's vital. And I guess that's the thing that we kind of – take for granted or have forgotten just how special Australia is and how much of it you can explore and how different it is in different regions. Oh, absolutely. And Key is a very special restaurant. You know, how do you describe it to people? What's so special about Key? Well, I think I think it's it's the whole package, but, you know, obviously um, the location is, 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 is really world class. I mean, there's not too many restaurants that sit on one of the most beautiful harbors in the world uh, and and have that sort of view. Um, so I think when people come to Key, it is an occasion. It, you feel that sort of magnitude um, of of being somewhere quite special, um, you know. And that's true within the day um, when the harbor's glistening, or at night with all the lights. And you know, it's um, it is a, a special feeling. I never forget the first time I walked into Key when I first started there. It was just like wow, you know, it's, it is, it's super impressive and it's, you know, I mean, and, and I think that's part of, you know, sort of why I push so hard because I've, I've got to meet that with the food. We've got to meet that with the service. We've got to meet those expectations. Um, you know, so it is, it is a complete package. It is the, it is the essential big night out. And, um, you know, it's it's something I think, you know, if you haven't been or um, you haven't been for a while, it's, it's something to remind yourself of. And it's, it is an excuse to get dressed up a little bit. It is, you know, all those things that people like to do every now and then, that, that is um, embodied in key, I believe. Has this experience changed you and what's the positives to come out of it? 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a really interesting question, and I think um, I think it's certainly made me f- not take anything for granted. Um, you know, I, I believe that I've also, like I said before, uh, looked at how important all our connections and relationships are, and you know, I've always felt that, but it, it makes you want to value those relationships even more. Um, and and I think I think it's also taught me that you know. And I think it's probably taught the industry that we 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 can be resilient, you know, and there are other ways of looking at things, um, but also not to give up on your dream, you know, and what you what you believe and what you do. And I think I think something like this does make you question everything, but it, in some respects, I guess it also strengthens your resolve. Um, so I, I I do feel there's positives to come out of this. Um, look, I also think that. You know, when when people realised that it felt like the world was falling apart, that we actually, you know, I think our government stepped up really well. I think um, I think most Australians did the right thing, and um, and we did it with pretty good spirit. I mean, I think the you know the very first couple of weeks were pretty scary for everyone, and I think you can forgive some of the excesses there. But you know, overall, I think we've done very well. Yeah, and I think as you sort of mentioned, it's the special moments in life that we're really cherishing now and we need you know special occasion things and you know restaurants like key um our society needs because it it allows us to forget all of our woes for a moment and just enjoy the good things in life yeah you do you do i was just thinking you know you know doing something like going to a restaurant like key you just step into um a different world for a moment you know and you can forget your troubles and and you you know there is something special about that we like we say we're in the business of you know creating memories and um i think that's that's sort of our role well i've got lots of memories from key and i hope to obtain more of them in the future i really <laughs> really loved having you uh join us today pete and um apologies for our first interaction 20 years ago um, <laughs> I can't remember that, to be honest, mate. <laughs> um, well, good. I'll let, I'll let it go too now. Um, look, I uh, look forward to catching up with you again, but really appreciate chatting today and uh, keep in touch and we'll talk soon. Okay. Cheers, Anthony. Thanks, mate. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.